This is a legacy episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast, originally released as part of the Lesbian Talk Show podcast group. Some references may be obsolete. The show looks at lesbian-relevant themes in history and literature, has interviews and discussions about current historical fiction with queer female characters, including fantastic versions of the past, and presents new original historical fiction for your enjoyment. Back some time ago, Tara Scotts hosted me on her podcast to talk about my favorite FF Regency romances. And when she mentioned that she was fond of historical fiction, I made a mental note to have her on my show at some point to talk about some of her favorites. Welcome to the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast, Tara. Thank you for having me. So before we get into your specific book list, what are your favorite eras for historic romance separate from specific books? Well, when I was growing up, I would swipe (laughs) historic romances from my mother. Of course, they were all straight romances. Uh Um, But I'm trying to think what it was that she would have had. So I read a lot of Julie Garwood, Jude Devereaux. um, I think a little bit of like Kathleen Woodowis, like some of those ones that were really big in the 80s and 90s. And so if I come across anything that reminds me of that, I just have an immediate fondness for anything like that. So I I do tend to like Regency romances quite a lot. Um, Pretty much anything. I don't read as much 20th century, though. That doesn't really do it for me. Although I will occasionally read one and it'll surprise me. I have a hard time considering 20th century settings to be historic. So I'm there with you. Right. So I know a lot of people love um, World War II romances. I've certainly enjoyed some. One of the, the best ones that I read in the last few years, I'm not going to go into it in too much depth, um, is Marianne K. Martin's The Liberators of Willow Run. That was a uh-huh. fantastic book. Uh, but I would say that was more historical fiction than historical romance although there certainly is a romance that happens to it Mm -hmm. and in that case I think it was because of the themes that she was going into that I ended up appreciating it much more than the setting because Uh there was a lot of playing with the idea of like secrets kept close versus what gets revealed and how you you know discrimination you you can choose at that point to a certain extent uh a lesbian could choose to expose whether she was gay or not, but um, say a black woman couldn't choose to hide or reveal her race. Yeah. So. And I think that the 20th century romances and people are really fond of the two world wars in that era because it opened up a lot of opportunities for women to, you know, break out of families, break out of communities. But I think people like it because they can more easily relate to the the social context of sexuality. It's mm-hmm. it's more like our lives than earlier centuries were. Uh, I know that that's that's one of the things that that I see is that you see a lot of um, the characters are thinking and reacting in ways that are very familiar to twenty first century people still. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
That's interesting. I think for me, though, like, I don't necessarily want to read, especially when things are stressful. Um, I find a lot of stories set in those times can also, there can be a lot of uh, anxiety and a lot of fear almost because they're living in tumultuous times. And so while it can be great for the passion factor, for me, it can also be almost too much if I'm looking for a comfort read. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into the books you're bringing to the show. So I decided to actually narrow it down to my favorites that came out in 2019 because I really, there were, there were three that I particularly enjoyed and think that everybody should check out if they're so inclined. And the first one is Two Wings to Fly Away by Penny Mickleberry. Uh-huh. I... I'm going to say that this one is not a romance. The other two that I'm going to discuss are romances, which is why I've put them at the end together. But the prose in this is so beautifully done. It opens in 1856 in Philadelphia. And um, there is a woman who dresses as a man to kind of help with the Underground Railroad. Now, she's also um, a dressmaker. And and, and the important thing is she's black. (laughs) Right. Yes. Also, she's black. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And she she is, in fact, an escaped slave. And Penny McElberry just did a fabulous job with this book. It is so immersive. There's quite a big cast of characters in this one. She does have a love interest who is a woman. There is um, a white man who helps them out as well. Her love interest is also white. Um, And I think it does some of the best flashback scenes I've ever seen. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's not just, we're going to flash back to fill you in on this event that maybe we would otherwise describe in two to three sentences. Instead, the flashbacks are really about showing character development in a way that couldn't have been shown otherwise. And each of those to me could have been their own separate short story. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. I like the way it braids together several different plot lines where it's, as you say, see, I think we take a different view on romance subplots is, you know, you will say it's not a romance because the romance isn't central. And I will say, there is a romance in it and there is other stuff and the other Mm -hmm. stuff is just as important. And I think it makes a much richer novel in this case, because those other subplots are, you know, they're expanding the action. They're drawing more characters into the center part of the action. I wholeheartedly agree with you. The reason I call it out, like the reason I actually say this is not a romance is because in the lesbian reading community, often there can be a problem of people perceiving that if it is lesbian fiction, it is always romance. And I've seen some unfortunately unfair reviews of books where they expected the book to be a romance. And although the book has a romance um, or has some kind of romantic element, they end up kind of digging it. And I don't think that's fair. And this is a book where I could easily see that happening, but it does exactly what it sets out to do. And it does it so well. And it's absolutely worthwhile. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I can see your, your point of view on on framing expectations. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this before. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, unfortunately, it's something that possibly has happened with some of your books as well, where the book may not be a romance, but like, say, for Daughter of Mystery, it absolutely has a romance. It's a strong, beautiful romance. But that's not all the book is. And and then people get to Mother of Souls and they say, wait, wait, what? They don't even end up together. What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> right? Or a flood tide. Where? Wait, what? There's no what? So anyway. Yeah. Anyway. This is kind of, it's one of my lesbian hobby horses. So I try to bring it up yeah. whenever I can because it just needs, we, we need to, as a reading community, embrace that there is a great diversity of wonderful fiction happening. And I just want to make sure people know what they're picking up when they get it. Yep. Yeah. One thing I love about uh, Two Wings to Fly Away is the physical scene setting. And I swear that I could feel the cobblestones under my feet when I read that book. Oh, absolutely. And she does suspense so well. Like some of the scenes just had me gripping my Kindle because what is going to happen? Are these people going to be okay? Like she, she wrote threat really mm-hmm. well. And in a way that I don't know that I've seen before, but I mean, she also writes mysteries, doesn't she? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Most of what she writes are mysteries or thrillers. So I think she really brought a lot of those skills into bear in this book in a way that worked really well for me. And I'm not a thriller reader typically. So I appreciated seeing those, those techniques used um, in a way that did not play chicken with my anxiety levels. (laughs) Yes. So like I said, my other two books are romances. Um, And the first one I'm going to say is the lady's guide to celestial mechanics by Olivia Waite. Uh Uh-huh. And to go back to what I was just saying about swiping books from my mother's shelf. (laughs) (laughs) When I saw this cover, I actually gasped because it looks like the books I was stealing from my mom, but with two women on the cover. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And I know that Olivia said that what she dreamed of when she first started thinking of that book was one that was just like the historic romances she had always loved, but with two women. And I think she really delivered on that. And I was kind of struck, like, would my adolescence have been different if I could have had access to a book like this when I was growing up? And 2019 and 2020, like, there's something really powerful going on right now where mainstream romance publishing is actually putting out FF books. Yeah. This is a full length historical romance with two queer women being put out by Avon impulse. Yeah. Five years ago, it absolutely would not have happened. Yeah. There there are some fascinating dynamics going on in the market and I have lots of very complex thoughts and reactions around that, but that's a different show. <laughs> Ooh, let's talk about that later. <laughs> for, for 
perhaps other mine. I'm excited about this. Okay. Um, so aside from that though, also it's just, it's a really, um, lovely romance between lady scientists, which I think is fantastic. Um, Lucy's father was an astronomer. I'm saying it slowly because my brain wanted me to grab the word astrologer. And I'm like, no, that's very different. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the same at all. Um, So yeah, Lucy's father was a really well-respected astronomer. um, And she worked kind of as his assistant. She was creating star catalogs with him. She was doing a lot of the work, especially in his later years, she was doing the bulk of the work. And after he dies, her brother's just going to marry her off. And there's a very big, like, what the fuck? You know, you know that I want to be an astronomer. And he's like, well, nobody's going to take you seriously because you're a woman. And Catherine is the Countess of Moth. And she's the widow to another. Um, like, he was, he was a scientist, too. He was an astronomer. He was a world traveler. He was also, unfortunately, kind of an abusive asshole. Yeah. Um, but she writes to Lucy's. I'm trying to remember. It's been a little while since I've read it. But anyway, they get together. She sponsors Lucy to translate this really important book. Um, And it's just this lovely, like, we're going to smash patriarchy with science and love (laughs) and ladies who love each other. Um, Because, you know, their their society of um, scientists there in in London, the Plate Science um, Society, doesn't want Lucy. And so Catherine's like, screw this, we're going to do it ourselves. And I think the thing I loved is that like, not only is Lucy brilliant, Catherine is brilliant in her own right. And she's uh-huh. so interested in botany. And if you like embroidery at all, you're going to like this book. <laughs> the descriptions of embroidery are so beautiful. I'm not even particularly into it, but I was like, oh yeah, I can imagine that. That's really lovely. So this book also like confidence porn abounds in this book. And there's a little bit of conflict at the end, but I would say this is a really gentle, to me, it was a quite a low angst book. And mm-hmm. so if you want something to just like sink into for a while and get away from the world and read about like really smart people who love each other and are like, <laughs> screw you, older straight white men. One thing I liked about it is that so so here's the thing a lot of ff historicals feel the need to do the whole not like other girls thing like they have to have at least one character who is not merely smashing the patriarchy but uh rejecting conventional women's lives and i liked in this case that they aren't doing that it's like yes they are doing things that you know women are not supposed to be doing that but not in the sense of saying, ooh, I don't want to be girly. And and showing the the normal shapes of women's lives of the time, like like the ex-girlfriend, you know, where yes. it was like, you know, well, this was lovely, but this was just girls playing together and I'm getting married now and bye. Um mm-hmm. and and I like books that that really grapple with the the realities of queer lives in the past and how they existed within these complex structures of the things you put up with and the things that you made do with and the expectations and yet the normality of same sex love. Yes, it's just it's lovely. Just go get it. <laughs> in fact, 
I hope a lot of people get this book so that Avon keeps putting out more FF. Well, the second one is coming out pretty soon now this year, I think. I know. I'm excited. I'm I'm excited about that one. I'm going to be reviewing it jointly with Carrie S. at Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And Mm -hmm. I just keep waiting for the advanced review copy to be released on NetGalley or Adelweiss. And it's not happening yet. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, my last choice is Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure by Courtney uh-huh. Milan. Um, if I had to guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, this one feels like it's probably the least historically accurate of the three. I, I had some issues with a upper-class woman taking off for the city without a maid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, there there are ways in which it doesn't really feel like it's grappling with the grappling with the everyday realities of the era. I mean, even the the second female lead, um, the 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 woman who's the sort of landlady of the rooming yeah. house, she would have had a maid. She would have had some you know girl who comes in to to take care of the cleaning and everything. It just didn't it didn't make sense that the two of them would be alone together like that. Mm-hmm. But but I tend to get kind of hung up on. Social- <laughs> <laughs> um, so as I was reading this one, there there were things, maybe not those specific ones, but there were things where I was like, I feel like this probably isn't the most historically accurate. But this book is the most fun I've had reading in a long <laughs> time. <laughs> well, it was and- definitely a a sm- burn down the patriarchy romp. Definitely. Yes. Oh my goodness. So, so the, the premise of this book is, um, Mrs. Bertrice Martin, she's a widow. She's 73. She has a lot of money cause she has 40,000 pounds. She doesn't actually need anything, but she can't find joy in anything either. Her physician recently told her she should go to bath for an adventure. And she's like, well, that's boring. I'm not going to do that. But Violetta shows up on her doorstep, who is the rooming house, um, the woman who runs the rooming house that you're talking about, and says, I have a problem. Your nephew, he won't leave. He's not paying. I need you to get rid of him. Um, And she pretends that it's her rooming house when actually she'd been screwed over by the owner who said, if you work until this particular time, I will give you a pension. And he let her go like six months before that deliberately, even though she worked there for decades. And so she's just trying to figure out, like, how do I have enough money to live out the rest of my life? I have enough for five years. I've, I've saved very carefully, but I don't want to only have five years left. And so what I love is that the aunt is like, I hate this nephew. He's a garbage human being. <laughs> so I'm not going to pay off his debt, but uh, the two of us are going to get him out of your rooming house. And then I am going to pay you the same amount of money for helping me get him out just to screw him over. And I thought there was something so deliciously spiteful about that. And honestly, like some of the stuff that they come up with, and I'm not going to name them because they truly need to be experienced. Uh Some of the things that they do to torture this man, and he is awful. Like he absolutely deserves it. He gets referred to as the terrible nephew throughout had me laughing so hard because I, as it, as the, as a situation would start to happen, I'm like, no, this can't be happening. And then it would happen. And I was laughing so hard. I was in tears and I was sitting in my chair in the basement and my husband looks at me and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, I can't even explain this to you right now. 
there's just no way I can do it. But like, I was just, it was that kind of laughter where it's, you know, when you laugh so hard and like all the stress leaves your body, Mm -hmm. it was one of those. Uh, But then at the same time, there were some really beautifully poignant moments as well where they would be having conversations. Um, there was the one that sticks out for me in particular is, is the conversation that they have near the tree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's so, you know, it's, it's old, it's gnarled. It's, it's wrinkly. It yeah. It's wrinkly. <laughs> it has its imperfections. And, and, you know, Mrs. Martin is like, well, look at how beautiful that is. And Violetta gets angry because, you know, some things are allowed to age and then talking about how she's basically not even visible as a person anymore because of her standing and her age and her not being married and, and all that. And just, it was so lovely. And if you read the the thing that comes after it, like the, the note that she includes, um, I, I really appreciated her explanation for where this came out of. Um, cause it really kind of resonated for me where she talked about how it, it was a way for her to channel her anger at, at the Brett Kavanaugh situation with him being uh-huh. appointed to the Supreme court. And, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, I, like, I follow her on Twitter and I, I saw all that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and cause she like, she had clerked for somebody pretty awful who ended up like she has her own me too story um as a result of that and i i can see how that anger turns into this book because reading this book felt very empowering in a time when it feels like you know men get to behave as shitbags and get little to no consequences with a few exceptions um but it really is fun like even if it came from a dark anger place, it's a really, really fun book. It's nice seeing a romance as well between like one of them is 69 and the other one is 73. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen very often in lesbian romance or I mean, any no. romance, frankly, with those ages. Um, and they get, you know, they have a sex scene. Like there's no, they don't get treated any differently as any other couple in romance just because of their age. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really lovely. So yeah, if you have a fun time, please do pick up that book. So those are your books. And I'm wondering, is there like, is there a book you would die to have exist? Is there like some setting, some particular plot, some character type in, in the general realm of FF historical romance, of course, um, that that you you would feel like my life is complete. I have this book. Oh, that's a great question. I would love. Hmm, that's a good question. I think I would love to see like a gender flipped, so it's FF, um, either Jane Eyre or Pride and Prejudice, and I know the book. Gay Pride and Prejudice is out there. It was mm-hmm. fine, but it didn't quite. Yeah, it, it, it didn't I, quite I, do it for me. I started that one, and I, I mean, I think that ran into the issue where Jane Austen pastiches are just a thing now, yes, and yes. I think a lot of them don't really 
go new places with it. They just say, hey, what if we like, you know, swap this in? It, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's Jane Austen fanfic in all of the best and worst senses of fanfic. <laughs> it's people mm-hmm. playing with existing characters. Yes. Uh, and I, I mean, I saw a, 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 a straight Pride and Prejudice you know, Jane Austen pastiche, which was basically, um, we're going to tell the whole story from Darcy's side, but it was really just, you know, lifting entire parts from the original book and then filling in a different set of background scenes. So, so I have seen that there was an entire um, collection of short Jane Austen inspired uh, LGBTQ uh, short stories, Um, uh, a certain persuasion. That was it. Uh, and some of them were really good, and some of them were, okay, you could have gone places with this, and I can see the concept, and, you know, it needs more story. It needs more than a concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I I get exactly what you're saying. Something that has the, the total Jane Austen flavor, but yes. two women. And, yes, and- exactly. Like, I want Darcy to be a woman. Like it doesn't have to be Pride and Prejudice, but if I'm going to stick with this example, like I want Darcy to actually be a woman and maybe Bingley is a woman too. Um, <laughs> rather than we're going to introduce a new husband for Darcy or we're going to, yeah. And, and now Bingley's sister is gay and she's not a total bitch. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, one that I thought was interesting and it's not a historical, but Tampton Parker did a retelling of Emma and she sets it in contemporary Hawaii and yeah, I thought I it was actually pretty. That. Yeah, I I thought it was pretty well done, and I think some people may not have totally dug that one because, excuse me, the lead character is so unlikable, and it's like, well, Emma's well, not likable either. Yeah, that's how people feel about Emma. It's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I actually like Emma the story, and I like Emma the character because I can understand where she's coming from and what her motivations are, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, she's not really a quote-unquote likable character when you're really no. She no. is an utter snob. She doesn't think about other people's lives as being real. Mm-hmm. Uh, she She's moving people around on a chessboard. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I, very few of the characters in Emma are likable characters in my mind. They're, they've all mm-hmm. got like little streaks of, of awfulness in them. <laughs> and yet, I love the book. Uh-huh. Oh, actually, I know I know which one. If I had to choose one, if I had to choose one Jane Austen book to be like properly turned into an FF one, I want it to be Persuasion. Yeah, it's got the longing. The why yes. the, the I am giving you up for my own for your own good and and that could totally be done yes. with a queer plot. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> I may have to write that one. Oh, can you please? <laughs> uh, well, I'll add it to the bottom of my list. <laughs> oh, no. How big is your list, though? It's very, very long. Okay. Well, live in hope, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show and talking about FF historicals that you've really loved. Uh, I think we share a certain amount of taste in those books because the three main books you talked about are ones that I loved as well. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. So I know you review books in a lot of different places. If people wanted to follow you on social media or look up your book reviews, where should they look? 
So the first place is if you find me on Twitter, it's Tara, T-A-R-A-M-D Scott with two T's. Uh, I have, I think, about five of my previous reviews a day that I tweet out. So if you're looking for reviews, there's a lot that come out there. I am also actively regularly reviewing at The Lesbian Review, Lambda Literary, and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. Well, thank you. I'll put links to all of those in the show notes so people can find you. Fantastic. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast. See the show notes for links to people and topics. Most shows will have a transcript linked as well. If you have a book announcement, a topic suggestion, or might like to appear on the show, please drop me an email. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and consider supporting our Patreon. 